Hello out there, you prophets, magicians, and especially all you liars. Thank you for tuning in to Seaside Pod Review, a podcast about the music of Queen. I'm Randy, and over there hosting his ass off is Kevin. And once a week, we'll gather near microphones in hopes that they pick up our ridiculous opinions on random songs from the catalog of one of the most eclectic bands in rock history. Stay tuned. Brand new angle, highly commendable. Seaside Pod Review. Seaside Pod Review. Gives a kiss. Seaside Pod Review. I'm not giving you a kiss. So, Mr. Woods, we meet again. Well, virtually. How are you? I'm good, uh, Mr. Brown. Thanks for asking. Uh, <laughs> we started out very formally in this one. <laughs> we sure did. You know, and I think maybe we should try and keep this formality. Uh, I think maybe it's good. It's good for society. Less, um, less uh, banter, less, you know, we'll just keep it. We'll stick to the facts. Get through <laughs> just, the song. We can get this done in 10 minutes. <laughs> just the facts. Listen, I got other things to do here. Let's wrap this up, all right? <laughs> so, hey, Randy. This is our third episode proper, and already I have found us a sponsor. And now, a word from our sponsor. Fast Eddie's 24-hour mobile taxidermy is your one-stop shop for fast, efficient, post-life modeling of your pets, hunting trophies, or road rage kills. Based in Carlisle and serving most of rural Cumbria, Fast Eddie has got you covered. Call 1-800-DEAD-PET. That's 1-800-D-E-A-D-P-E-T. Today, to book your appointment. And use our offer code DEATH ON TWO LEGS OR FOUR to receive 25% off your first stuffing or mounting. Fast Eddie's. Because a dead animal is just a live animal you haven't propped up with wire yet. And we should let people know, too, off the top, that one comment we did have was regarding, um, and we talked about it a little bit, is that when I share audio over Zoom with you, you don't hear it in stereo. You hear sort of the the mono feed that comes through Zoom. So we did a bit of digging around and just wanted to let people know that we have found an application where we can both log on to a sort of a shared YouTube portal type thing and when i hit stop or start on randy hit stop or start it stops and starts on both of our ends and we both get the proper mix into our cans which is going to be a lot more a lot more beneficial i would say on your end at least yes and uh and yeah from some of the comments we got on twitter uh you know especially with uh prophet song uh the prophet song sorry is uh, uh pretty crucial to the song and uh i had i did do a re-listen uh in stereo and yeah, yeah, they're panning stuff left and right. They no denying that. And do you think it? So did it? Did that change anything for you when you get that little bit more sort of textural production onto it? Does that does that change anything? Did you have any difference of opinion once you've listened to it again, or are you still sort of roughly in the same place you were when we talked about it? Yeah, I, I, I okay. So first of all, I would say that it it, it is definitely is kind of cool having it pan back and forth across the stereo field and. It, and it does make it does add a bit more interest to it, uh, but my opinion hasn't changed too much. I still feel as though that that section could be either shorter or or well, I mean, you know, it, it you know, in my opinion, it should be shorter. But of course, uh, nobody asked me, so. Well, yeah, I did. Yeah, they did. I did. I asked you. <laughs> oh no, I mean, when you know, when they were recording it, nobody <laughs> said, "Hey, you know, Randy, do you think we should make this 
this one section here five minutes long or uh, one minute long? Because if they'd asked me, I'd say, yes, man, Freddie's so great. Let's let him do his thing, but let's just truncate it. Let's just make it shorter. Let's make it more condensed. Uh, and, uh, and you know, hopefully it would still be interesting. <laughs> Well, it's a great story I found afterwards, like reading up on um, the sort of the history of the track and when the band was trying to put the album together and it was, you know, like a big time crunch because it was this big epic thing and it went over time and all this sort of stuff as, as these types of albums often do. Um, and they were playing the finished pieces, some of the pieces that they did are finished to record execs and journalists and whatnot. Um, but the Prophet song wasn't really put together, but they had some stuff that was finished, some sections of it that were finished. Um, that Brian had been working on for days and days, and then he'd gone to bed at 5 a.m. exhausted from this kind of this little listening party type thing. Meanwhile, very famous DJ Kenny Everett, who's also the same guy who played Bohemian Rhapsody for whatever, for an hour straight or whatever, how many times in a row, stole the tape with all the pieces mixed onto it, a Prophet song, and played that on the radio on its unfinished version. And so the story goes that Brian wakes up and thinks he's having some sort of kind of hallucinogenic experience when he hears this song that isn't even finished yet coming over the radio. So it's kind of neat, I think. <laughs> That's pretty cool. I bet you he was freaked out. And then after he was done being freaked out, was probably uh, super pissed off. Oh, I'd imagine so. I did want to share with you, Randy, quickly. Let's just do this here, quickle. Sure. Um, because I wanted to share you a little bit of the way they do it live. Um, and I will just do this in, in mono because obviously this is a mono mix and you don't really need to, you don't need the panning for this, but just to hear how I, I think it's cool to see Freddie do this live and to do with that tape delay live um, and just yeah. to see the way he changes it. Because again, the tape delay is a lot shorter and it's so it's a lot quicker and that might even change it up if they just done it a bit quicker. So I'll play a little bit for you and see what you think. Sure. Oh, people, can you hear me? People, can you hear me? Crowd goes wild. It's pretty cool to be able to just build harmonies on the fly on stage like that, hey? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it is. There's been a whole industry of singer-songwriters that have built upon that, like uh, Ed Sheeran and uh, Katie Tunstall and all kinds of people using loop boxes like that, you know, vocally and, and rhythmically. And uh, and I guess uh, I never really put that together till now, but I guess you'd have to credit these guys for, for having at least a, a part of it. Well, I think so. And Brian, Brian said that he definitely doesn't think that they were the first band to do it. But he thinks that they were definitely one of the first ones to do it, and maybe one of the first ones to do it vocally, because it was you know yeah. Brian had already done it in in Brighton Rock, you know the the, right. the big solo from Brighton Rock, and I'm sure you'll remember that one when we get to that one. And he would do that on stage, and his solo would last you know could last up to five, six, seven minutes, and he's doing all that kind of stuff with his echo unit. But to do it with vocals, I don't know. I think it's just super cool. And again, you need a singer who's got real chops, timing, can knows which how to sing his thirds and fifths immediately, and do all that sort of you know building. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Which, of course, um, Mr. Mercury does quite handily. I think uh, maybe might now might not be a bad uh, time to uh, mention is that we are certainly not Queen experts. And right. certainly, uh, I am not a Queen expert. Uh, and I would say that I'm a, a greatest hits Queen fan. and uh, And I would say that's probably the extent of it. Maybe, maybe the odd song more than just the average greatest hits fan, just being a musician and all. Uh, and now Kevin has definitely a far more extensive 
knowledge of of, of Queen. Yeah, because I, I grew up with this catalog, right? Like, like I told you, I mean, I, I've all the albums that were released in sort of sequence. Like my mum parents got them. My my parents were big Queen fans, so. I was born three days before the first album was released. And so all those albums were just part of my life growing up. So I know the catalogue really well. I know the songs really well, the musical parts and and sort of the, the structure of the albums and those kinds of things. And up till the age of about 2021, I knew a lot of the history as well um, and could sort of tell you backstory on a lot of those different things and, you know, the backstories of the, the band members and, and what have you. But I kind of just life took over in my mid-20s and I sort of didn't, stay current with a lot of that or, or just have forgotten most of it because I've got the memory of a fucking goldfish. Um, so I'm not an expert either. I'm just very, very familiar with this catalog. So, so that's where we're coming from for the listeners. Yeah. So take our opinions with a rather large grain of salt, or if you prefer many, many, many small grains. <laughs> Cause they are just opinions. They're just opinions. And you know what they say about opinions, don't you, Mr. Woods? Everybody's got one similar to a belly button. Okay, so we put a poll out on Twitter again to see what we see what our listeners thought of this song, and you took a little bit of heat, my friend, in a couple of quarters. No, I mean it was kind of polite and it was you know it was gentle, but it was all it was all very good good natured, yes, and and uh, I appreciate everybody's opinion. But you weren't the only person who I mean I said this is a champion for me because you know again it's it's part of my it's just part of my Queen experience and this just reeks Queen to me and I, I love the song. Um, and again, I've commented some on this, not on my any of my own playlists, but when I throw on Night at the Opera to listen to, it's one that I always, always, always look forward to coming on. And I've had it stuck in my head for the last week as well. But surprised me that 20% voted that this one bites the dust and 80% voted that this is one of the champions. Yeah. So there are there are 20% of me somewhere around. Absolutely. There are 20% of people who listen to this song who are wrong. That's what we've learned. <laughs> uh, yeah, The Joe Must Go On says one of the greatest songs ever written. So not even Queen, just one of the greatest songs. Yeah. Uh, Hugh, our Welsh friend Hugh Jenkins uh, in my top two favorite Queen songs. Absolutely love it. Always found it strange they put it on the same album and side as Bohemian Rhapsody when they both have a slow start, choral middle, and a hard rock finish. Good observation, right? Yeah, yeah. Fair point, yeah. Um, PJ at new underscore Mercury. I'm a big fan of this song. My wife is not. <laughs> and then uh, Dita says it's a great song, probably prog queen at their very best, but I'd rather listen to the whole Queen 2 album than this song. Clearly too big and too much for my taste. So my guess, and he's put a little uh, gif there, is and another one's gone. So he's one of the ones who voted bites the dust. So again, I mean, at least people are sort of giving us some reason for why they're upvoting or downvoting this song. I really like the comment where uh, someone called me Mr. Randy, which <laughs> I felt like I was being scolded like a 12-year-old boy. I think you were. I think because it was well, 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 Mr. Randy is how it started, I believe. <laughs> oh, I love that. That's so great. Um, Paul Moody uh, from In the Lap of the Pods, my favorite Queen podcast. Certainly one of my favorite. You know what? No, it's my favorite Queen podcast. There are other great Queen podcasts out there. That one is my favorite. It says, great episode, lads. It's funny when someone's a bit, ah, it's okay, about something you regard as a masterpiece. Disagree slightly that it sounds dated because it doesn't really sound like anything else to me. And I think we talked about that afterwards. I think we were talking about that afterwards, that what the hell do you call this? It's, yeah, it's elements of rock in there. There's elements of proggy, metally stuff. There's this weird choral middle section. It's just something in of itself and not like anything else. Uh, did we not kind of uh, decide it had sort of even some Zeppelin sort of uh, 
Zeppelin roots in there for it's sure. Yeah. Roots or however you want to influence, however, whatever word you'd like to use. Anyway, okay. we have to spin the wheel again, Mr. Woods, to find out what song we're going to be talking about this week. Let's do it. Is there anything that you think that you would like to listen to tonight? Era, individual song, specific album? What are you thinking? I have a, yeah, I have a specific song that I would like to hear. Uh, and it's one of my favorites uh, of Queen. I would like to hear Dragon Attack. Oh, that's a great shout. I love that song. Super cool, man. Yeah, you know, I, I know what, and I would not be unhappy if that one came up. What about you? Uh, you know, I can't, we've gone we've, we've done two early songs. Yeah. Um, and Dragon Attack's right in the middle. Yeah. So I kind of feel like I want to listen to something from you know, it's not um it's not a universally loved album, but I think I want to listen to something like Gimme the Prize from Kind of Magic. I think that would be kind of swell if we listen to that. Something a bit rocky, something a bit of an edge. All right. Okay. Well, you know, it's not up to us though, is it? It's up to the wheel. So let's spin this wheel up and see what she gives us. It's up to the mighty wheel of randomness. Round and round she goes. Where she stops. <laughs> oh, we've got... Well, you know what, my friend? As a Greatest Hits fan, we've got a gooder. Wow. Okay. The wheel has thrown up. What has it thrown up, Mr. Woods? Somebody to Love from A Day at the Races. Well, I mean, nice nice that you are going to be very, very, very familiar with this one, as is anyone, I'm sure anyone with a pair of ears knows this song. Uh, I'm not familiar with this one. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hoser. Oh, I know. I am a hoser, and it hurts sometimes. All right, so here, yeah, we've got Somebody to Love, and it's uh, written by Freddie Mercury uh, from the album Day at the Races, and it also appears on their compilation uh, from 1981, uh, Greatest Hits. Yeah, I don't know what the hell else I was going to say about that, but, uh, you know, I know the song well, and I'm sure everybody else does. Kev? Yeah, I mean, again, Date the Races, I think, was another one of those albums where, because it's got essentially the same cover as Night at the Opera, the logo's redone, and it's a little bit higher resolution, but it always, to me, was always the stronger of the two album covers because it really stands out on that black background. It just looks really cool. Yeah, yeah. And also, as a fan of the Marx Brothers, A Date the Races and The Night at the Opera are taken from movies by the Marx Brothers. So that was kind of, you know, I was always that double tie-in. Um, yeah, yeah. And yeah, it was the first single from the album, uh, released on the 19th of November, 1976. Very cool. I'm just reading down here that uh, Mercury had a fascination with Aretha Franklin, which I was unaware of. But, you know, I guess, you know, two soulful singers would probably admire each other's work would be my... Uh, would be my guess. I would have thought so, yeah. I mean, it was definitely, and obviously, you know, we talk about um, the vocal performance and some of the ways that he, he vocalizes rather than just singing words or those, you know, with, with oohs and ahs and that kind of stuff. That's very, it's got a lot of, you know. Yeah. There's, there's Aretha in that, right? There's that, like you said, there's that soul in there that, that just sure. comes burning through, so. Yeah, I would agree. Um, and it was performed pretty extensively live, um, certainly through the jazz, uh, well, Date the Races, News of the World Tours, and Jazz and Live Killers, pretty much played consistently. The game tour, it was only played early in the tour, um, and then live at the Bowl in Montreal, uh, Queen Rocks, Montreal. Later in the work tour, it was shortened and played as a medley preceding Killer Queen, which, you know, quite often, because of the, just the vast number of songs they had, 
they would do that quite regularly. They would just have like the, the chorus from this and the verse from that and whatnot. And... Yeah, I got to I got to say, man, if I saw Queen in their heyday and they didn't play all of that one, I'd be ripped off. Yeah, I'd be a bit, I'd be a bit bummed too. The vocal range in this is insane. I just wanted to see. Yeah, so he's going from like F two to A flat five in this song. In in one song, that's just man. That's pretty crazy. I had a great, um, great range at the bottom. Obviously, we all know they had a great range, but yeah, well, interesting. Here it went uh, as a single. It was number two in the UK, thirteen on the Billboard Hot 100, nine on the Cashbox in uh, Canada, number five. Boy, I would have thought it had been a number one, especially here in Canada. Yeah, you would know. You would think so for sure. Interesting. Yeah, let's 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 just spin it up there, Randy. So we'll we'll try this out now with this new newfangled technology we're running with. Um, and if we get any false starts, we'll we'll just go again. But uh, let's let's listen to um, one of the one of the greatest songs ever written by Queen. I think it's probably safe to say. I think it would not be maybe a strong statement, but I I, I can back that up. Bold words, Kevin. So right before that piano comes in, that drop down to that bass note, just lush. It's one of my favorite bits, that intro. I mean, obviously the the big choral harmonies and, you know, they take that from Bohemian Rhapsody. They, they really kind of just own it on this album and they use it a lot, I think a lot more effectively because they don't use it everywhere all the time. But again, just that little drop down to the, somebody love, when you get that deep bass note, just gorgeous. Okay, let's get some uh, Freddie Mercury piano. Let's hear it. Funny, hey, when you watch Freddie, because we're watching the the official sort of video for this song um, on YouTube, and it always strikes me that the Lap Pods guys did an actual episode on this about Freddie's piano playing style. And Freddie doesn't play piano, you know, quote unquote, properly. His hands are on arch, but he's not playing classically. He's not a classically trained pianist, but he also doesn't really play like a rock pianist either. He plays these they're classical esque licks that you don't get in rock and roll piano so it gives it this completely unique flavor i've uh i've heard and and don't uh, ask me to quote a source because i don't know that i can but i think maybe it was a brian may thing what's that uh freddie was uncomfortable with his piano playing ability and he always was hoping to pass it off to anybody else that he thought could do it better and and isn't that, and isn't that crazy well yeah of course i mean because you, you know whatever his whatever his deficiencies were or, or or whatever i mean that's what that's what defines you know your style and all that stuff so and you know i mean let's be honest it it, it worked right i mean absolutely great it's a great piano line Can't really stand on my feet so one thing i wanted to talk to you about running and what you do quite often in your songs is the harmony part or the sort of the, the secondary vocal isn't exactly mirroring or matching what the lead line's doing. Yeah. And, and Queen were, again, that's another sort of real hallmark of Queen where they would throw in these secondary lyrics behind the main, the main song, right? Yeah. Very, uh, very gospel inspired. Right. And I guess now we're throwing back, thinking back about the whole Aretha Franklin reference, uh, 
yeah, very much a, a gospel-y thing to do, which uh, I'm not sure how much Southern gospel churches were happening in England at the time, but uh, I'm sure some of that came over in the pond. And Yeah, the, the, answer, the answer to that is not, none, not very many, almost none. I mean, apart from... Almost. Apart from the roots, the black roots music that we were getting through Elvis and you know, and <laughs> second hand through Elvis and those kinds of people, right? So, of course, yeah, but yeah, yeah, super great, and, and I love that because it also it it gives you other things to listen to on uh, subsequent listens. You know, yeah, you've got then you're working with two different melodies, counter melodies, and all stuff. So, yeah, very very exciting. I spent all my years in believing you, but I just can't get no relief. Lord, somebody, somebody. So we talk sometimes as musicians about people who play in the pocket. Yeah. And John Deacon on this song so far, deep, deep in the pocket, just holding that groove together at that bottom end, right? He's not really adding anything in and could could certainly could be doing. You know, and I'm sure like, you know, John Entwistle would have been running all over the place on this song, but all it needs is those little root notes on the on the kick just to accentuate it. No, I, I mean, he's I mean, he's just absolutely playing 100% the right thing. And he's not overplaying. And he's not underplaying. And he had just just right before he paused it, he had a little kind of little run going on, you know, in one of the in the, the passing notes. Yeah, I mean, you know, the guy's incredible. We'll get into this a little bit on other songs, definitely. But just to frame that a little bit, obviously, you are as well as being a guitarist, you are a bass player as well. Would you rate John Deacon as a bass player? Is he someone you think of, or do you, or do you think he's one of those guys who sort of gets forgotten about? Or do you think he's sort of regarded exactly as he should be? Or what's your sort of sense of where he belongs in that sort of conversation, yeah. do you think? Well, you know, kind of a loaded question, but I would say, I would say that, uh, he, he could listen. So when you, you know, if, 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 uh, uh, people are going to start bringing up famous bass players that they think are just amazing, John Deacon probably isn't gonna, isn't gonna come up. Does that make him any less of a great bass player? No. I mean, I'm sure he could probably slap and, and do any number of fancy things that would impress people, uh, maybe at a show. But uh, for me, you know, you know, playing playing with the song for the song, what what the song needs and requires, in in time and, and all the right notes. And and that's the thing too. I think people forget as a bass player when you're playing bass, uh, you think, oh, you're just only hitting one note at a time. And of course, you know, mostly you are. But you have to understand the 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 chords and the progression and how they go you know, are we going minor, major, blah, 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 blah. Cause it gives you a whole bunch of other, you know, notes to, to color your, your, your palette with. And, you know, we, uh, John, I, he, I do believe he played some piano as well and stuff. So he has, uh, he obviously has a pretty great, uh, understanding of, you know, of music and harmony and, and, you know, chordal arrangements. Well, I only bring that up and we'll, I said we'll move on from that, but I, and we'll talk about it at some point later, but because there always is a sense in the sort of the Queen fandom that he never really did get his, his dues. He never, you know, from sort of the mainstream rock community, he never really did get that sort of recognition for being exactly the right bass player in this band. You know, brought, contributed so much to the band, you know, through his songwriting, sure, but through his playing. You know, a lot of those songs just wouldn't have been the same if you brought in a different bass player. No. No, they wouldn't. And I'm sure he's very happy sitting on his large bag of money at home. So <laughs> hats off to him, man. He earned it. I 
I remember the technical musical term for it, but I think it's glissando. That would okay. when you bend from one note to another, right? When you sort of slide from one note to another. And yeah. Freddie's vocal, the melody line that he sings in this, it's almost constant. It's it's never he's never punching that note. He's always just moving up or moving down. And it's just it swims around. It's just, I think it's just gorgeous the way he sings that. Yeah. Well, yeah, he does a really fantastic job. Yeah, I love I love that. I mean, that's, you know, that's such a great singer. You know, there's lots of people that can do that, but you know, he holds that note solid, then he adds a bit of vibrato. And then he, you know, then he changed the note and he held it solid and then added some verbal, you know I mean? I, I don't know. You know, I suppose you can train people to do that. Uh, but, you know, I'm sure nobody was telling Freddie how to do that. It's just, you know, it just came natural. Yeah. And there was that list. So you do get that little bass run in there as well. Right. And then obviously Rogers real sort of whip crack snare sound that he's, he's hitting that snare pretty hard in, in what's not a ballad exactly, but it's not a, balls out rocker but he's really laying into that to get that sound right to get that sort of that attack on that snare which again just it's just perfect it sounds great absolutely it does uh i'm just looking at the uh at the lyrics here too it makes you wonder hey uh makes you wonder what old freddie's getting at here no he's not that hard to understand <laughs> <laughs> one of the you know i we haven't we didn't really dig into the lyrics too too much on those first two songs i think we will and there'll certainly be songs that we we dig into more deeply but you know it's a sort of a a very plaintive thing we all go through where you you feel like all you you're just in the work sleep cycle and it's just the drudge and the humdrum of everyday life and you know when john wrote i want to break free about the same topic kind of right where it's just like i just can somebody just like snap me out of this and make me feel like i'm actually alive and i'm important that's 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 what this song is to me yeah no i think i think that's right i think you've got the sentiment just right it's just uh uh, where were they uh where were they in their career at this point uh what album is this this is the fifth fifth album yeah okay so these guys are like massive rock stars at this huge point, right? yeah they, they, i mean 90 opera's broken them bohemian rhapsodies and yeah, they're, they're so, worldwide artists now yeah yeah so it makes you wonder hey about about his his longing and, and his 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 seeming need to find somebody to love you know you would think that at the height of uh of your stardom and and fame and presumably not too many money worries uh that love might come easy but maybe that's maybe that maybe that's the problem the wrong, the wrong, the wrong kind of love comes <laughs> comes too there easy. There you go, there you go, and you end up surrounding yourself with people who actually don't love you and just end up using you. And there's definitely the aspects of that too. And I don't know, I'm not 100 percent sure where he was personally at this point. I don't know if he'd sort of told you know Mary that he was gay or bisexual or what, what, how he was identifying yeah. at that point. But certainly, obviously, he knew. So I, yeah. I don't know how much of that sort of... Obviously, everything in, a, in an artist's life filters into the lyrics, right? It's, it's just you can't help that, but for that to happen. But I'm not too yeah. sure how directly he's addressing that in this song. He wants every day, every day. 
One thing I just noticed, and I, we haven't talked about in this song yet at all, is, you know, and again, the first song, Keep Yourself Alive, we did. Massive guitar riff, big hook. Prophet song, I mean, more guitar tracks than anyone reasonably ever needs to put on one song. This song doesn't take a lead at all, and it's just sitting in the background. You've got those chugs there, those little chugging, yep. chugging notes there. And again, it's that thing of, don't yep. muddy this, don't put anything in. You could put that multi-layer guitar in here, and it probably would sound fine, yep. but it would get in the way of everything else, right? Yeah, yeah. And so, interestingly, um, just on sort of production side, this was the first. This was the first album where they, the band, sort of went away from Roy Thomas Baker, and they produced this themselves. Oh, now, is that right? As we know from musical history, a bunch of young upstarts who are fine musicians, fine songwriters, but don't necessarily have really much of an idea about what they're doing on the production side to get this kind of song quality and this kind of production quality you think okay well that's that's interesting that's that, that's not completely gone south like metallica or or remember they've actually yeah these guys can kind of do this as well because i think this is up to this point in this song it's I mean, virtually perfect there's not a single note you'd take out or add in no yeah not so far no yeah what should we listen to some more let's do it fantastic Big Tom. Yeah, so yeah, I just I chimed in as it was happening. Yeah, big big toms. Gigantic huge. again. They do, yeah. <laughs> so uh, you wanted big drums, obviously. But I was just gonna say it's interesting about Brian's solo. He's always in a very uh, the the reverb's always very short. It's a very short and tight verb, which really, really adds to that Brian May sound. It's, it's just, it just hit me just all of a sudden as I heard that solo come up, it's like, oh man. And, and, and of course a great solo too, a fucking killer solo. So. so yeah, I'll just, I'll just share this. We won't get the full stereo, but yeah, okay, let me do this. So I just went and found the, the isolated audio for this, Randy, for, just for the guitar, because I think, again, what we're talking about earlier about Brian just sitting in the background and playing those junk, 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 those little, that rhythmic sort of percussive, you know, guitar part, then lead into that solo. And then you, when it's isolated, you can really hear that reverb and you can really hear how, mm-hmm. yeah, how just Brian May it sounds, you know, and there's no other way of describing that. So let's just listen to a little bit of it here. Sure. So I'll skip it forward a bit. so bluesy hey it sounds to me it sounds to me like it's in uh it's a guitar amp cranked up fucking wicked loud and you know there's a mic i don't know 10 feet back uh, uh, you know in a large yeah. room you know uh, and that's what that that's what it sounds like to me yeah and of course i could be wrong but that's what it sounds like to me 
Uh, and it's interesting hearing some of those other little guitar bits tail over before the solo comes in. Quite interesting. There's some John Deacon for you there. That's a little bit that of sauce, nice. eh? Yeah, that's a nice little bit of sauce. Yeah, I love it. Uh, and just those all those harmonies, hey? I mean, so rich and so lush. I mean, wow. Love it. And, you know, so like the Eagles were doing that, right? The Eagles were doing those big multi-part harmonies. But again, there's something about Brian May, Roger Taylor, and Freddie Mercury's voices together that just... It only sounds like them. It only sounds like Queen and no one else. You can get the, you know, if you get, you know, three or four of the, the, the best vocalists, it's still never going to sound like that because no, it's not their voices. Yeah, no, it's, it's, yeah. Uh, I tell people that I work with lot, this all the time. It's a snapshot in time. It's just the one little moment in time. And that's what these guys captured was that moment in time. So of course, nobody can sound like that. Of course, nobody can re- re- recreate that because yeah, you're not there. It's not that moment in time. So. I love that too, where they drop the harmony off. You know, so he he, he sustains that note beyond the end of where the harmony is, and it gives you that sort of that really sort of crystal clear, beautiful, shining note to finish that section of the song off. Yeah. And that's, uh, they're, you know, they're using a couple age old techniques here. Now they're bringing it back down and, you know, you know, build, you know, build it up, tear it down, build it up. So, yeah. And this is, this is a great, a great B section. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. Talk about building it up. Let's, let's get into this. <laughs> exactly. Somebody to love, find Wow. Here's a question for you. That's not, well, it is dissimilar in a way, but it's, you could view it as being almost as gratuitous as some of the stuff in the middle of Prophet Song, in that goes on for quite a long time. This is a pop, pop, pop song, but th- this is where they get it in, you know, in terms of sort of serving the song better and being more progressive within the song and moving the song forward. This is where it, it's everything's right about this that you sort of, viewed as not wrong but as inflated about the profit song is that i'm not putting words in your mouth but that that's what i would guess yeah well <laughs> i mean i see yeah you are trying to you're trying to uh you know walk <laughs> me into a statement here aren't no, you? no no I, I shouldn't do that i'm sorry i mean listen here let me, let me put it to you this way i i i see what you're saying i just don't agree with it that's all <laughs> uh it, this is done this is done wonderfully this is a five minute song instead of uh what was the other one eight eight and a half almost yeah eight and a half 
so no and, and i don't find this gratuitous i mean i don't know to me it, it just it just works just works just just right and you know i would say judging by its success you know, most people would agree with me. Yeah. <laughs> Apart from those bloody Canadians, you didn't take it to number one, Randy. What's I wrong know. with those Canucks, eh? I know. Yeah, a bunch of fucking St- hosers. Stupid hosers. Anybody find me? So here's a question for you as a singer, technically, when you sing that line, because I, you know, I play rock band with my family and I you do karaoke and things. It's really because he hits those notes on that run down, that descending run, really precisely. Yeah. And just but it just sounds effortless. And it's not. That's not effortless. That's really fucking hard to do. Yeah. Well, maybe for Freddie it was it was effortless. <laughs> I was just gonna say, because I was I was listening, and as he was, you know, he was going for the, you know, the top note. He doesn't get there right away, right? Like he swoops to it and it takes a second or millisecond or whatever length of time it is for him to get there. But he gets there and then when he gets there, it's so great. And yeah, the the rundown is super sweet. But what was going on in my head was if that was Dua Lipa or whatever. Well, first of all, I have no idea if she could actually sing it, but it'll just say she could. But they would never let that go. They would tune that. That would be tuned so that it was perfect from tip to tail. Whereas back then, that was you just wish wouldn't do that. You just would re-sing it until you got it as good as you could possibly do it, and that was it. Or the tape wore out. Well, so a it's a it's a testament to how good Freddie was, and and b maybe it's maybe it's sort of a, a with some of pop music or modern music. Uh, and I don't want to lump everybody all into one category, yeah. but but you, you, I think you're picking up what I'm putting down. Well, yeah, you just you lose personality when you if you make everything perfect, it doesn't really it doesn't sound like a real singer singing to you, right? Like it just it's the same when you when you quantize every single beat and everything's perfect, it just ends up sounding a bit mechanical. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think maybe less in the in in the quantizing beats. I mean, I understand what you're saying, but uh, for me, vocally, uh, I can I can really notice it. Freddie's ad libs there at the end. So good. And I would say that, you know, as someone who's, you know, done a little bit of singing live, uh, coming up with that stuff is a lot more challenging than you would maybe think it is, you know? Uh, and, and it just sounds effortless and flawless with Mr. Mercury. And, and unique to this song. And that's the other thing is like, of course, you know, we've all seen a million shows when it, it's the same with guitarists, you know, blues guitarists will tend to sit back and fall back onto specific licks and things, and that's great, and it, and it works, it always works. And same with a lot of vocalists, they'll they'll when they're filling or they're they're putting in those little, you know, scats and those kind of things, they tend to drop back into familiar patterns. But Freddie didn't do that a lot. He didn't he didn't often do that. He he would he he almost had that sort of that innate sense to be able to inhabit a song and know exactly what that song needed. I know I'm maybe just 
uh, maybe I'm giving him more credit than than needs to be, but it, but that's what it feels like as an outsider. You think that that's that, that's the song coming out through him rather than him singing the song, which I know is that's airy fairy, and I don't like all that kind of bullshit. But that's how it comes across. You know what I mean? Well, then then mission accomplished for for Freddie Mercury and Queen and the production company because that's what they're going for and that's what it sounds like and and you're not wrong for feeling that way. You know, he's obviously a technician. He's obviously a, a singer that is that can sing. So you take the, all those tools and 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 you pull them out of the toolbox and you you just throw them all, all <laughs> everywhere that you can, right? So Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. You get the symbol grabs again too. I think the symbol grabs are is that a hat? Is that his hat where he's closing the hat after he struck it? It's one or the other, right? Uh I well, if it was a symbol grab, I didn't actually notice it, but uh Okay. But it could be, but there again, just to, right before he stopped that I was listening <laughs> to those big thundering toms again. It's like, oh like, <laughs> those are big. They are so huge sounding. It's so it's great. I love it. I love yeah. it. Yeah. It's funny though, too, because again, that's something that could be distracting in a song like this, where you've got this big gospel element and you've got Freddie's beautiful soaring vocal and these, you know, evocative lyrics that we sort of talked about a little bit. And so you think that these big John Bonham fucking yeah. tree trunk drum hits, you think could <laughs> be distracting, but they're not. They, again, they just fit. There's something about it. They just, it all works. He's using uh, pool cues for drumsticks. <laughs> <laughs> So, of course, that's the official video. So the crowd noise there is not on the single. So we, you know, we probably, I should have done my due diligence there, Randy, and just played the actual, only the audio track and not add this bit at the end. But. Oh, yeah. They're just probably just added that in here for the video, right? Because For sure. A fake, a fake crowd there or yes. a real crowd, but yeah, yeah. Gotcha. But I love that end. Just that little ding. Mm-hmm. Just that little, I think it's two. I think it's two. I don't think it's a full chord. I think it's, you know. A little piano. Yeah. It's just lovely, you know. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. It's just icing on the cake, right? And yeah. and that's what these guys always did. They always gave you little ear nuggets, just all little things to just listen to. Uh, a bit like maybe going back to what I was saying earlier is that, so when you have stuff that's lush like that, it gives you a reasons to listen again. And maybe if it's not even a reason, but it, it gives you something else to listen to the, the next time on repeated listens. And I think that's really the mark of a, a great you know artist or band and clearly Queen has that in spades because I don't know how many times I've listened to the song. I don't really get tired of it. It still sounds great. And there's not a lot of songs, you know, there's not a lot of songs that, 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 or bands that, that do that. Just think of some of the greatest hit stuff that's on heavy rotation on your classic, classic rock station, <laughs> uh, wherever you live. It's like, holy mother of Christ, they're going to play this again. <laughs> well, Queen, Queen's not like that, right? Yeah. There's not many better songs than this. Not many many Queen songs than this, really. To be honest. Yeah, yeah. I would say it's. I would say it's. Uh, I would say it's top tier. I guess. Uh, probably giving away my uh, my opinion of it a little early. I think we've both tipped our hand there, but you know that's not to say. I mean, we're we're being effusive and we're 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 slathering this with praise, but. So Kevin, let me ask you 
is this a champion or will this song bite the dust? And I think I have a pretty good idea what you're going to say. Yeah, man. I mean, look, I, I can't imagine there's a Queen fan out there who would say anything different. I just, you know, there's, there's variance between fans about lots of different Queen songs, but this one, if you don't, it's just, I think it was the same thing you said about Keep Yourself Alive, but I think if you don't like um, Somebody to Love, ah, are you really a Queen fan? Because it's got all the elements that make Queen exactly what they are. It's got precision, it's got movement, it's got these beautiful vocal textures, it's got a great, great solo. Like a really yep. not a it's not a face melter, but it's a fantastic solo. Everything's in there. It's got Roger beating the shit out of his I don't know. There's there's nothing to not like about this song. And it's also one that what you said earlier, just to kind of expand on that a little bit, is that some songs, like I don't listen to I don't listen to Bohemian Rhapsody that often anymore because it's just there. I don't listen to Stay Away Heaven very often because I just, it's just, I've heard it so many times that I don't really need to listen to it. Not that yeah. I dislike it, but this one, if it comes on, I'm never, ever, ever going to skip this or turn it off or no, just because it's so good. And I love it every time I listen to it. If, uh, if you hear it in the car, you jam along to it and you sing along to it. And uh, yeah, I think you really, hit the nail on the head there. I, I I would just say that if, if you don't like this song, you probably just don't like queen. Yeah. Uh, so if that's the case, then you can go back and listen to your watermelon crawl. <laughs> or, so uh, no, or truck. Yeah. <laughs> we haven't introduced our audience to truck yet, which we'll have to do in a future episode. No. Maybe we'll clip in a clip of that. <laughs> oh no, they don't listen. I respect our audience far too much to submit to submit them to that. Okay, so I, I think I know which way this is going to go. Maybe I don't even have to ask the question, Randy. But, you know, last week you praised a lot of Prophet song and there were things you enjoyed about it. And then in the final assessment, you said that it was going to bite the dust. So is this one going to join it? Or are you going to rationally and sensibly say that this is one of the champions? So yeah, so I mean, that's I really that's kind of nice to get one of the big ones early on, like one of the really just big, massive top. I don't know, top ten Queen song for me, probably. I would say, you know, easily, easily, yeah, for me as well. Yeah, so to get, it's, to it's, get one of those. I'm sure our listeners too, right? So yeah, yeah, absolutely. But we got to wrap it up, buddy. You know, we both got lives to live. Um, there are there are things other than podcasting, unfortunately. Um, you know, yeah. one day when um, Spotify comes to us and says, here's uh, $8 zillion and what are your, what are the things you want uh, in the contract? And we say, well, fucking Joe Rogan can go, you know, with all that kind of stuff. But once we get there, then maybe mm-hmm. we'll have more time to do some of this stuff. But for now, we've both got lives to leave and lives to leave. <laughs> That's a Freudian slip. Lives mm-hmm. to live and people to see and things to do. So I will let you go. I, yeah, uh, it was, it, I just got to say really quick before you wrap up is uh, it's, it's, it's wonderful spending a little bit of time with my old pal, Kev and listening to some tracks. And uh, I drank uh, a very lovely milk stout by Blackbridge brewery tonight. Well, and I'm drinking, I'm on the dark stuff too, but not the, not the dark stuff in the sense of that bloody awful sugary, thin swill that they call Guinness. 
My beer of choice tonight is the Rebellion uh, Brewing Black IPA, and she's tasty, boy. Nice, nice. I can still drink the IPAs. Yeah, that's all right. <laughs> some some people can still listen to fucking the guests, you know. So whatever. <laughs> uh... Thanks for listening, folks. Don't forget to check out our social media and spread the gospel according to Queen. You can find us on Facebook at Seaside Pod Review and on Twitter at Queen Seaside. Don't forget to check out our pals Corey and Mark over at And the Podcast Will Rock. We owe the format and the inspiration for this podcast entirely to them. We will be back with you next week to spin up another song from this fantastic catalog. Stay tuned. Brand new angle, highly commendable. Seaside Pod Review. Seaside Pod Review. Seaside Pod Review. I'm not giving you a kiss. I'm just a musical prostitute, my dear.